the so, Bret Hart of 3x3. <laughs> oh, I wish. We were having a hardcore <laughs> Bret Hart discussion the other day of how like he was like the, the man in the 90s for Canadians. And we went to a show in Edmonton when Bret Hart was the good guy in Canada and the bad guy yeah, in the States. Amazing. Awesome as a kid. And they were playing the national anthem. And Stone Cold Steve Austin came out of the out of the stands and hit him with a chair, and the whole arena just went berserk. I think it was like fourteen, and a friend of mine that I went with, we were talking about the other day, and it's like that was the apex of life. Like for that moment, it was like everyone, everyone. There's nothing better than this. So yeah, I'm glad we got a chance to mention that too. Three x three. Three x three. Three x three. 3x3. 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 3 is the magic number. It's the 3x3 Basketball Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and non-binary basketball fans of all ages, races, sexualities, pronouns, and abilities, welcome to the 3x3 Basketball Podcast. I am the Hoops Nerd Hugh Hopkins, and alongside me, as always, is the crown prince of 3x3 in the United Kingdom. That is Mr. Martin Dion. Hello, sir. How are you? Hello. I'm very well. Thank you very much. I decided not to say howdy this time for fear of some kind of retribution from you guys. So I'll just give it a proper English. All right. Yeah. A polite. Well, okay. We'll go with, uh, you know, rough and ready Martin today from, <laughs> from, from Blighty. For um, sure. And uh, of course, we have uh, the producer who can rap and control the maestro. It is Rahul Lasnani. How are you, sir? I am great. I think it's only a matter of time before I become Mr. 3x3 based on the game show. But for now, I'll take that. So, yeah, I'm good. Not, most definitely. More, t- more to come. More to come on that. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, because um, the, the game of uh, did Kyle Montgomery really say that is really heating up. Um, uh, so make sure you stick around to, uh, to to the end of the podcast because it's it's causing quite a lot of trash talk on on the podcast. But how are we, gentlemen? How's how's your week's been? Yeah, it's been really good, thanks, Hugh. Um, it's been a good start to the week for me. Uh, it's been a lot of discussion about upcoming 3x3 basketball in the summer. Um, lots of questions that I'm getting asked non-stop about what events are there for different age groups and uh, what what's going to happen with the Commonwealth. Has the team been announced yet? So I'm getting a lot of questions on those. There's a lot of preparation and some really big announcements to come. But what's really exciting is um, I'm actually heading down to Portsmouth next week to coach to coach a 3x3 basketball camp, which is really cool. So shout out to to my guy Craig at Chainnet Apparel. He runs uh, clinics down south uh, in the south of England, and um, he said that there's there's some interest in 3x3, and he specifically requested uh, my time and for me to head down down south. So I'm actually really excited about that because. He sees it as an opportunity for hoopers uh, of all ages. And so I think we're going to be coaching um, kids that are between 7 and 16, I believe. So it's going to be, yeah, it's going to be really great. And I'm excited about bringing more 3 3 basketball uh, to there. So, yeah, a bit of preparation uh, and a lot of excitement for that one. Most definitely, most definitely. And, uh, yeah, no, it's always it's always great when we can get... When, you, when, of course, Martin Dion can expand his 3x3 empire um, and helping out uh, our good friends at Chainnet Apparel, shout out Greg, um, to, to to do that, of course, that, that's, that's great news. And, and yourself, Rahul, have you, you've been, I know you've been traversing the um, the world of international sports journalism that continues this week. Um, it just, do you want to give a 
a plug to your conventional line podcast because I know it's it's really uh, hitting hitting new highs over at the conventional line. I appreciate that. So yeah, recently, I think yesterday, I released the episode with uh, Luca Mbamute. It was it was great. I mean, he, we discussed his welcome to the NBA moment, which is super cool. Him talking about that Houston Rockets team, where he had a great season. And a lot of good things. He talked about Andrew Bogut, how he enjoyed playing with him. Uh, he said that that was, you know, the player he enjoyed playing with the most. And yeah, a great chat. And, you know, he has a great message and what he's doing even after, you know, not being a part of the NBA anymore. You know, what he's doing in Cameroon for basketball is still is incredible. So yeah, uh, massive thanks to him. And yeah, uh, R- Rahul, Rahul, how long have you been doing your podcast for? Um... To be fair, I started doing my podcast sometime late 2020, and it was more to do with just, you know, having a platform where I can talk about the sport. You know, it could be football, it could be mm-hmm. MMA, it could be basketball. But I think now I'm kind of, you know, pivoting into just having it, you know, interview-based, where I'm just kind no, of trying and get people's not, perspective. Not that, not that I want to be giving you too many compliments, because you give me so much trash talk when it comes to the Kyle game. But, but, you've only been running it for a short amount of time, and you've already interviewed Luke Mbamute, which is yeah. kind and, of... And Nick oh, Nurse. And, and Nick Nurse. And uh, who was the other one that you did recently? Oh, Chris Finch. And um, there was a couple of guys from The Athletic that you did recently, isn't there? Is it jo- yeah, John Krasinski from John Krasinski. The Athletic, yeah. Yeah, not to mention the other interviews with some of the famous British basketball players as well. I mean, Raul, like, big kudos to you for just going all out and just trying to make it happen I mean it really does go to show and the fact is like you kind of I mean you know it feels like you're just kind of starting on the trajectory of sports journalism and I mean you really are setting the bar high for yourself let alone anyone else but yeah kudos to you man that's that's amazing work already Wow, you do want me to cry now? Jesus Christ thank you so much really appreciate it yeah much like um, much like Julianne who said are you expecting me to cry when you give me these compliments? Yes, very much so, because <laughs> I'm internally crying because of the Carl Montgomery game. So, <laughs> but I pay it. I pay it back with kindness. Just make By note the end of, of that. Podcast, make note of that the, like, in tears so, at the end. <laughs> so British. So British. <laughs> well, there we go. Born and bred. <laughs> All right then. Well, speaking of our place in the world, oh, I, I love I love segways. So let's move on to it then. Now it's time for the three x three headlines. So, gentlemen, um, it's a, a big shame that you know Britain isn't actually being represented in in the FIBA three x three World Cup this year. But the pools for the World Cup, which will be taking place in Antwerp in Belgium they have been released this week by FIBA 3x3 and I want to get your reactions if we can because we've got each uh, each gender has got four pools um, so for them you know um, th- we do know some of the heavy hitters so I, I want to sort of get your reactions if possible um, we're gonna we're gonna start with the men simply because they're, they're on the left hand side of the graphic and I'm reading left to right in the men's pool A, we've got Serbia, France, Puerto Rico, Brazil, New Zealand. Pool B, you've got Lithuania, Germany, Mongolia, Chinese Taipei, Chile. Pool C, you've got Latvia, Netherlands, Poland, Japan, China. And pool D, you've got Belgium, the hosts, playing hosts to the USA, Austria, Egypt, and TBD. 
Um, we'll come on to TBD in, ju in, in just a few minutes, but who are the names that are jumping out of those pools for you? Let, let's, let's go to you first, Martin. So for me, I mean, obviously it's got to be Serbia, um, absolutely stacked team. Um, I believe uh, Novi Sad didn't get through to, to those kind of Olympic win, uh, to that Olympic win eventually. You know, they did get a medal, but I think they're going to be coming into these World Cup finals with, with a bit of fire under their belly, to be honest with you. Um, French are a really solid team. And um, and the New Zealand team, as I believe we we'd mentioned, uh, the the Tall Blacks, as they're called, um, actually did incredible in the Asia um, in the Asia Cup qualifiers. So that's really sort of from Pool A. And I think the other one probably to note is is Pool C. Um, Latvia, obviously clear, probably clear favourites in that one. Well, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you a question. You've got Netherlands in there, which are clearly an up-and-coming, not even an up-and-coming, just a really established, very good team, and and the Latvians in there. Do you think that just because of Latvia in the Olympics, do you think that makes Latvia clear, clear uh, favourites to win that? Personally, I would still put Netherlands as the rising country in that scenario. I'm not not trying to put anything against them. They, you know, anything can happen in these types of tournaments, as we've seen. But I would still put Latvia as host but don't you know don't rule out Japan um mm -hmm. you know they've got a, g a good setup over there as well so I yeah I would put Latvia as the favorites to come out of pool C um but uh, you know we were talking about the the World Cup uh, pools and um I mean on the on the women's side you know you've got pool A where it's uh, Germany, Romania, Lithuania, Japan, China. That's that's a murderer's row of teams right there. That's going to be a, a really difficult pool. Then you've got um, Pool B, France, USA, Austria, Brazil, New Zealand. And Pool C, Poland, Mongolia, Egypt, Dominican Republic, Belgium. Um, and then you've got Pool D, which is Spain, the Netherlands, Canada, Chile, and TBD, as we'll discuss in a little bit. So any 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 teams jumping out from there that you think uh, you know on, on the women's side that you think are going to be um, a force to be reckoned with there, Martin? Well, I mean, I think Germany is clearly uh, Germany clearly going to be one of the favourites for for the women. I mean, Blackpool A is going to be very interesting indeed. I think the Japanese women have probably a, a chip on their shoulder, you know, from from the Olympics and will probably want to be coming out in full force. And we know that from, as I mentioned, with the with the men, you know, the New Zealand, the Tall Ferns, you know, they're they're going to come off with some, you know, coming out of, into this with some real confidence there. But you know, you can't you can't deny it. Pool D as well, uh, you know. The, I mean, to be fair, all these pools are great, but I think you're going to have Pool D with Spain and Can and Canada um, is going to be a really interesting pool too. So, yeah, some really there's going to be some real really interesting matchups in each each one of these. So in, in each of the Pool Ds on the men's and the women's side, um, there, I did say that there was a TBD. That spot was originally going to be Russia. Um, now, they have been removed from competition for things that are going on in the world right now. Um, and uh, the uh, and FIBA 3x3 will be announcing who will be taking those spots. Um, I'm not... Uh, entirely sure who's in the running for that uh, I did do a little bit of digging but didn't get any straight answers from um, some people that we know there so um, yeah I think 
when we find out, we'll be sure to update you on this podcast. Um, fingers crossed, we can see GB in there, but I don't know. Uh, I don't know if we're in contention for for one of those spots. But yes, uh, we'll update you when we hear anything. But that's all the news that we've got for you this week. Um, we are going to go straight into our special feature for this week. We're going to be talking to the great Steve Sir. Okay, so moving on to our main feature for this week, um, and we are so pleased to have, ladies and gentlemen, this is one of the greatest 3x3 basketball players of, of our generation. Um, he is a former Masters Tournament winner, a former Masters Tournament MVP, um, one of the best shooters in not just 3x3 history, but also college basketball history, and we'll get into all of that with him. Ladies and gentlemen, please... Welcome, Steve Sir. How are you, Steve? I'm good. Thanks for having me, guys. And thanks for uh, the intro that uh, I probably didn't deserve. I appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> no, you're, so you're, you're, under, you're underselling yourself. It's, it's our pleasure to, to host you because, um, yeah, it's, it feels like we've uh, got 3x3 basketball royalty. You've certainly made your mark on the, on the game. Um, and uh, up until, uh, I guess... I guess a bit of a retirement uh, last year was it, or the year before? Um, but you, you're still involved. You're still you're still around the game, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, as anybody who gets involved with it, it's an awfully difficult thing to move away from. Uh, it's very addicting. I mean, like basketball is. I think once you get the itch, it's it's tough to to not just be in it in some way, shape, or form. But three x three specifically has been what I've been involved in for the last five years now. And uh, yeah, it, it's hard. It's hard to imagine just stopping cold turkey, like not not ever being involved, not ever paying attention, not ever following it, because it's a it's a great sport and it's got a great culture around it, a real great culture too. Well, it, it does mean a lot that you're here, and um, I'm sure we're going to fire some questions at you. Hopefully, there'll be a bit of fun. Hopefully, there'll be um, some serious bits in there as well. And yeah, if we've got enough time, then we'd love you to join us for our game of uh, Did Kyle Montgomery really say that at the end? But Gentlemen, let's let's get some questions going. Uh, what 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 have you got, Martin? I know you I know you and Steve have known each other for a little while. Yeah, we did. <laughs> uh, we do actually. Yeah. So, um, Steve, you probably remember what was it, two thousand and eighteen, and I got in touch originally, and yeah. I was like, "Hey, man, would you would you do a Q and A on the on the GG three X three website?" And you very graciously just uh, just did it with 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 ease and, and very quickly, which I was very appreciative of. <laughs> Sure. But it's definitely like it's clear that you're very supportive of just like the three x three community just in general. But um, just before I get onto that element, I mean, I was wondering it might be quite cool if you give it a, just a quick recap of your basketball history. Um, well, I, I started playing basketball when I was five. Um, my first word was ball, uh, so I kind of feel like I was a little <laughs> bit set up to do this. Um, my dad was a really good uh, was a really good player. He played college basketball at a Division two school in, a, in at Winona State University in Winona, Minnesota. And um, yeah, it was it was it was a heavy, uh, a heavily uh, encouraged activity in our house. Um, so from there, you know, I, I think I I was very fortunate. I, I played for my dad. Uh, I learned I learned how to shoot. I learned how to play by, by playing with him and then uh, neighborhood guys um of going to the park and shooting and playing and playing one-on-one and two-on-two and, and getting into fights and all that stuff that uh, neighborhood guys did do with each other when basketball's involved um 
And, and that was how I came up. Um, I was born in Minneapolis, Minnesota. My father's American, my mother's Canadian. And then we moved to Canada when I was five. And then that's really uh, where my first memories for basketball came from. And it started running from there. Um, as I was growing up, I was a good player. Uh, you know, I, I, shooting was my strength. Um, but I was a pretty competitive, heavy, heavy competitive kid, uh, had a bit of a temper. And um, when I got to high school is when it really started to, to click with me because, you know, we're, we're in the 90s at this point. And in the 90s, there was the heavy, you know, if you were into this kind of scene, it was the Slam Magazine scene, and um, which was big for myself and all my friends and reading punks and things like that. And, and uh, I followed that monthly where you go get slam and you, you, know, you want to see who the who the featured high school player was at that time so uh, i guess it's a drawback to, to my story that's where i was obviously pre-internet and pre-everything that's where i was getting my information from of like what did really good players do at my age in order to pursue in the case of you know the major stars like nba but guys who were going trying to go division one because that was my main goal i wanted to play division one I, I wanted to play in the states and part of it was like, okay, I, I, I'm good, but how do I do that? And that was when I started to get serious with it. I had some really good coaches, timely coaches at that time in my life. A couple guys that uh, when I, you know, moved away from playing for my dad as, on youth teams and started to meet some new people, uh, some guys that really helped me figure some things out uh, basketball wise, but then also attitude wise, what I needed to do, how I needed to do it, what I needed to improve at. And um, the commonality that all of them had was obviously I was I was a very good shooter, but I needed to improve my foot speed. I needed to uh, get stronger, uh, and I needed to dump some of my some of my mouth. I needed to to start to focus more on that and less on the emotion of the game. And those were timely lessons for a 14, 15 year old. So that took me into high school. I got pretty hyper obsessive about it. Uh, through all that stuff that you read, you know, this is being the nineties, it was, you gotta make a thousand shots a day. So that was the badge of honor back then of who's willing to be in the gym that long and sweat that much on a daily basis. So that's what I based my stuff around. My junior high was right across the street from me. So I do my high school practices or whatever we'd have to do. And then I go shoot my shots and uh, the janitor at my junior high would let me in and just say, don't break anything. Um, and that's when I really started to form, I think the habits, that took me from being a very good shooter to a great shooter uh, and really started to put me on the map um, with high school ball and things that were happening in the summer to start getting recruited to go down to the state. So in between my 10th and 11th grade year, I was the MVP of the national championship up here in Canada for under 17. Um, that was a big splash because I set the scoring record in the final and was in Slam Magazine and was in Sports Illustrated and that garnered a lot of attention. Uh, and then in 11th grade, how, I went down. How was it? So, so, just to interrupt Steve, yeah. sorry, but like, how was it for, I mean, we'll get onto the 3x3 side and, and obviously your kind of shooting prowess, you know, when you were at college as well. Mm -hmm. But how was it to eventually, you know, obviously reading all the slam basketball magazines and, you know, that's like the pinnacle of, of pretty much everything, like you say, you know, pre-internet and you kind of see yeah. all the all the kicks in there, right? Like these are like the and one kicks you know this yeah. is kind of when the nautic the nautic comes out right like yeah, around exactly. like early 2000 like late 90s early 2000s how does it feel to then as a player feature in a slam basketball magazine because that must have been pretty wild or were you just kind of like i've reached this point where 
yeah okay i'm young but i i expect i know this is my this is my trajectory you know like this is my path so i kind of yeah i kind of expect to be in the slab you know um no it really caught me off guard uh when the guy who was writing the article for slam called me one morning he said hey i write for slam i did think it was someone just <laughs> playing, playing a trick on me so i was a little skeptical at first then he asked a couple questions and i went oh man this is actually legit i better give some good answers um yeah you know it was it was surreal because slam was for anyone that grew up during that time it's like it's exactly what you said it was like a major cultural basketball magazine you were like for a canadian kid and i'm sure for a lot of people in a lot of other places like this is what you would see and say like oh that's what's cool like this is like you said, like the N one stuff that was big back at the day. And, you know, they had a little more of an edge to it. They would swear in their articles. It was just so, it was so different. Um, so to yeah, be, a, yeah. to be a punk, to be in punks, I remember running to Seven Eleven and buying that because Shaq and Kobe were on the cover and flipping to the back and going like, man, I can't believe that that's me. And, and um, it was awfully cool. And then obviously, you know, friends would make fun of you and all that stuff. You know. <laughs> You know, you mentioned how different shooting is perceived now in the NBA, you know, compared to back in the day. I think that kind of changed how you were scouted back in the day. How do you think you would be looked at in, in the current state of how basketball is perceived? Um, it's a good question. I, you know, it, it's always hard to tell. Um, because even when you come into the gym now and you see somebody shooting that's, that's, that's lighting it up, um, it just there was a strange and maybe this was me being kind of a cynical guy or, you know, a couple people said it to me. So I thought that's what everybody thought. Um, but there was, there was a feeling in my gut of that's all you can do. And I remember hearing, I remember, you know, you, you playing some games. I remember hitting some shots on guys and, and they, the funny, they would, they would say to me, yeah, but you're, you know, that's all you can do. You can't drive to the basket. It's like, Oh, okay. All right. I mean, I, I guess, but, <laughs> Um, I think today there's just, there's what the NBA and, you know, specifically like, you know, say like a guy like Steph Curry has done is, is really kick the door down of how hard it is to make shots on, on a consistent level with defenses that are really specifically designed to not let him do that. And yet find a way to do that. That is it's so challenging. There's so many things in basketball that are challenging, but to be that guy where two people are concerned about you, if you're open, two guys are running to you and they're leaving somebody else wide open because they just don't want you to shoot. Um, there's definitely a much heavier appreciation for how much time and energy and effort uh, goes into that. And then also to how much the other team has to prep and prepare for something like that, because they know that, if a guy gets going and starts to shoot the ball the way that he's capable of, it, it could mean the game's over like that. Um, I, I love that about this era now, that the the degree of difficulty that goes into shooting the ball every day at a high level is much more appreciated as opposed to in the 90s when we were still, and even the early 2000s, when we were still kind of figuring out what the three-pointer actually meant. You know, it was still we got to throw the ball inside, which is great because at times I feel the, the game has sometimes gotten away from the throw the ball to the block and let somebody get a foul or, or score a bucket. As a shooter, I loved playing with guys that could do that because those were the guys that would screen for me and you have to reward them. Um, but I was shooting almost 50% from three in college. So when we reflect on it now, 
looking at the way that the game is now, I, I feel like I would have shot or I would have been told to shoot way more threes and my percentages probably would have gone down because we would have been scoring more points just from an efficiency standpoint. It just would have made more sense that I'm shooting more shots and making, making it at the same clip that someone might be making it from inside the three, but it's worth another point. So I, I think that's what the, the, the idea would be now, Rob, but I mean, it, it's, it's hard to say. I mean, you see some teams that really embrace the three pointer and then there's still some teams that want to slow it down and grind it out and, and, uh, and aren't, aren't as interested in getting it up from behind the arc. So mm-hmm. It, it's uh, it's sometimes it's uh, either an all in or, or not quite there yet kind of feeling. So so how does that so how has that evolved then? Because I mean we're possibly skipping a few steps of your journey now, but like Sorry. when it, that came to three x three, of course, you know the scoring system is entirely different. We touched on that a little bit last week, but um, the scoring system is entirely different um, because you're playing ones and twos. So what that means is essentially the outside the three-point arc that's worth double what's inside. So that probably possibly elevates you even more as a weapon. But at the same time, three x three is kind of weird because there's less space because of course you're in half court, but there's also more space because mm. there's only three other guys on the court. How did you feel your skills were translating when you started to pick up that that element of the game? Um, well, I thought the shooting part really translated a lot. Uh, the great thing about 3x3 is, is you know, what we all experience when we play three-on-three uh, in practices for for five-on-five five is you have you take those four guys off the floor and you're like, you know, man, my game is legit. I can go by everybody. Like, there's just all this there's all this space that you're not accustomed to having. So you're thinking like, man, why don't I get to the rim in five-on-five five the same way? And you're like, oh yeah, right. There's four less people. But um, I think you know when I got into three-on-three. One of the mistakes that I feel like can be made is like, oh, well, it's worth more. So just shoot threes or what, you know, are the equivalent of threes, shoot twos. And that's not the way that 3x3 at at the best level works. There still has to be a healthy balance of, you know, getting to the free throw line, attacking the basket, putting pressure on the defense to make decisions. So for me, I knew in order to be an effective three-on-three player, um, I had to really make an effort to to take some risks. Um, you know, in, in my professional career for five on five, that's what a lot of the teams wanted me to do is run off screens and space the floor, and that was fine. But as I mentioned before, like at a younger age, like I spent a lot of time working on my game because I didn't want to be pigeonholed as a one-trick pony. And getting into three on three was funny because i didn't expect at 35 to now all of a sudden be like hey remember all that stuff you were like thinking about working on when you were a 17 year old now go ahead and do it it was uh it, it's not to like put put any sort of negative thing on five and five but like all of a sudden you're in three on three and it's there's just so much room for creativity and there's so much room for like you got the ball or there's no one yelling to do anything specific or stuff like that make some work and that was really a, uh, an empowering energizing feeling of trying to find a way to obviously play to your strength. If someone's going to let you shoot the two, you got to do it to them until they guard you. But then finding other ways to be effective within this increased amount of space that was on the floor. Um, My first year was a real feeling it out of like, you know, how do, how do I do this? How do I do it proper? Uh, Adjusting to the physicality of the game of figuring out how to find these different ways to score along with, you know, the things that were happening, like, you know, guys bumping you and, and holding and pushing in a way that didn't happen in five on five. And then the next year, I think, was when I really started to figure it out because I started to 
train more and making more concerted effort to watch more of the game and say, okay, if I'm going to be good, how are guys who are similar to me being good? How are they getting their points in games? How are they effective away from the ball? And I've said this before. I watched a ton of, of Dejan Mysterovich from Novi Sad. I watched him. I watched every game he played and I would rewind it back and watched how he moved and cut and ran. And he's, you know, he's been consistently tremendous with that stuff because he, again, same type of thing, not a leaper, uh, not a beat you with the first step all the time, but he's getting to the basket on guys. So how is that? He's really figured out uh, a great way to use his shooting, to bring guys to him and then be able to get to the basket or create. So that was when I started to, to connect the dots on how I could be good with all this extra space in my disposal. Um, and as I mentioned before, that was such a liberating feeling. And one of the, one of the great feelings of three X three of you can be creative, you can take some risks, you can try some stuff and, uh, you can then watch it back and say, is this working? Great. And let's try and build off of it. And if this isn't, what do we got to tweak in order to make it better? Um, but it's, it's a, it's a exciting part of the sport and, and something you hear, I think from a lot of guys who, and girls who play it is like, man, I'm, I'm capable of so much. And uh, that just, I feel like, just draws you back to it time and time again. One of the one of the things that I mention to people over here in the UK, or to be fair, anyone that I speak to about 3x3, they, like, they're always quite um, interested about the creativity, that element of kind of freedom, especially when you don't have a coach telling you what to do and it's really down to the players to decide, okay, well, we're subbing, we're, we're running this, you know, we're running this pick and roll, whatever the case, whatever the case may be. And I think that element probably has a lot to do with how attractive it is. But when you're playing it, I mean, especially with, say, I know obviously you're teaching kids as well and you're teaching people with 3x3 basketball. Do you think that's something that is kind of one of the most attractive elements to them to get engaged with 3x3 basketball? Or are there kind of other elements too? For, for example, is it... Um, is it the fact that oh okay actually it's a different ball so it's kind of more exciting or I can do a little bit more with it like do you find that that element or anything else is what's really getting people engaged with the game when they play? I, I think you're probably right, Martin. I mean, I don't think players fully understand when they first get involved with just exactly how that feels until they're actually until they're out there and they're it's really kind of coursing through your body of like man, I, if I feel like breaking something off, it's the, it's the right decision. Um, I heard this said a while ago, and I think this applies as you start to play 3x3 more, uh, especially as we're getting more and more into the era of uh, shooting a three or shooting a two is is oftentimes uh, the best choice. Maybe it's not the right shot, but it's the best choice. Um, I heard a coach say this one time is this is what we want. We want threes, layups, free throws, and your shot. And I always really liked that because that – comes back to the next step i think in three on three is you have more freedom and you have more creativity okay but you still got to be responsible to how to play the game to win it so if you want to just go off on some tangent and say you know what I, I never drive to the basket i never post up but today i'm posting all day no it's it's not the right decision man like if, if your strength is to uh you know get to the rim off the bounce then be that guy and get to the rim off the bounce if your strength is to you know, screen and run and create chaos and all those kinds of things and be that guy, like know what your shot is and then find the things that obviously are, are very valuable in the game, open twos, layups and getting to the free throw line. I think those are two of the main things that are, that are great about 3x3 is it also teaches you a self-responsibility within the sport. Yeah, there's no coach. 
that's saying, hey, you got to do this, this, and this. Okay, that doesn't mean that you're going to go out there and just play straight cowboy ball, where it's like, I'm going to chuck, and what's anybody going to say to me? Well, the great another great thing about 3x3 is accountability to your teammates. And if somebody turns to you and says, hey, man, you're playing straight out of pocket today. Like, I don't know what you woke up thinking, but that it, this isn't it. It's It's a good thing for players to have, I think, that experience of, hey, we need to do this. Why? Because it's going to lead to us being successful and winning. So like you said, coaches and calling for pick and roll. But if the players can recognize on the floor, like, hey, we're killing this team with this play. So let's do this play. Let's get this in transition. I think for, for younger players, if that's directed and channeled the right way, that's a wonderful part of maturing as a basketball player is being able to recognize and acknowledge some things that are going on on the floor that you go to right away because it's going to lead to success as opposed to, I'm going to make my mind up and do the play and hope for the best. As I think that's a maturation process that players go through as they learn more about the game and about their game, where they just see if this is work, if this is working, if it ain't broke, you know, then don't fix it. Just keep going to it, win the game, and get off the court. How do you see the development and the growth of FIBA of well, three x three of the game generally? Like, are you? Uh, where do you think you might see it? Like, where do you see it going? I mean, obviously we've had it in the Olympics. It's going to be coming up in the Commonwealth Games, which we'll get onto. Like, are you are you in any way surprised by the growth, or where and where do you see it? Where do you see it going? I I think it's going to continue to go onwards and upwards. It's on a great trajectory. Uh, oftentimes, I think that's reflected in the talent in the game. Um, I've been involved in it since 2017, and it's the talent level in the game is is worlds ahead of where it was. And that's not any disrespect to to the level that it was at. But you, every year it's gotten better. Every, I mean, now you're talking also to, I use 2019 because the last couple of years have obviously been very difficult with, with the consistency with COVID. But in 2019, you were seeing teams improve every week and adjustments were being made to every event. That shows, I think, how this sport's going to continue to go because I feel like more and more players are going to enter this with high high levels of experience uh high levels of understanding of how to play um money stuff is great i mean obviously that's going to that's always going to attract the sharks it's always going to attract people that are, are interested in hey if we win we'll get paid out that's great but i think there's a lot of there's a lot of guys out there and a lot of girls out there that just really enjoy this and they also maybe have a couple people where it's like i'm into it too why don't we go play because once you get to those events i mean you guys follow it so you know you get sucked in pretty quick. There's there's a there's a tremendous culture around the game that if, if this was just some kind of cold-hearted, strictly show up, you don't interact with anybody, there's no fun to it, you just play, who knows who would stick in it? But there is that side of it, like you mentioned with, you know, Kyle and everything he does and the professionalism he adds on, on the commentating, the presentation of the sport, um, combined with the high quality of, of ever-improving play, I don't see why it wouldn't continue to to go in an upward direction. Um, I'll be curious what individual countries continue to do as far as how they do with you know domestic growth, grassroots, things like that. You know, if leagues start to pop up, um, things that people can do away from just the three on three world tour. But as far as as what FIBA has going, it's hard to imagine that more guys who are just finishing playing professionally or are at a crossroads in their game professionally 
if they're not just saying like, I know, I know three or four guys who can play. Let's let's get in this tournament. Let's qualify for that, and let's just let's hit it full steam. What everyone has to learn once they get in, though, is like if you want to be good, you have to really commit to like, okay, it's this time to this time, and it's a lot. And you know, everybody learns that lesson. It's fun the first tournament. You know, it's awesome. Hey, we're going to China, and then you're on your like third or fourth trip to China, and guys are going, oh man, like this flight is murder to me. So that's how you weed it out a little bit, but. As far as as strength of the sport, I, I don't see any reason it's not just going to continue to grow and prosper. And, and I hope that it does because it's it's uh, it, it had its stage at the Olympics, and I think people saw, like you said, Martin, like how much it meant. It's not a hobby; it's it's a real competition, and it's and it's a real professional sport. And I think as that continues to move more into the future of what professional means. It'll, it'll only continue to grow and, and get better. My main question is, we've got the Commonwealth Games coming up. Canada are going to be competing. Yeah. Um, who, who are the, the favourites? Who's one to look out for? And are we going to be saying hi in person? The last part, I really hope so. Uh, the last part, I, I'm very hopeful about. Um, for favourites, it's going to be interesting. I mean, this is going to be... Uh, new ground for 3x3. Well, like we talked about before, growth of the sport. This is another big, big spike for the sport of, of how it can grow in, in another new area. I mean, you guys where you are, me where I am, it's awfully cool that 3x3 is going to be a part of something like the Commonwealth Games. Um, and let's see. I mean, I, I got to imagine, you know, you guys are going to be good. I, I'm sure hoping Canada is going to be good. I think we will. Uh, Australia, I'm sure, will be tough. And then, um, you know, uh, we'll see. I mean, this is this is an excellent opportunity for the other members of the Commonwealth that are coming to this, similar to what happened with the America Cup happening for the first for the first time this year. There was a couple of countries that came to that, and they were like, "We had no idea." Like when you would talk to the athletes afterwards, it was interesting because none of not a lot of those guys have been on world tour, so they didn't see like, "Hey, it's okay to like." win or lose a game and talk to each other afterwards. Like, you don't have to be mad. Like, it's it's all right, man. Like, can you be friendly? Um, you can talk to people and exchange ideas. And as the tournament went on, you saw more people kind of ease into that role of, like, there's a bit of a community thing here. Um, but then the, the biggest part of that was also, too, some countries being able to come and be like, whoa, I didn't realize that it was like this. Like, teams are good. Like, Brazil is good. And Puerto Rico is good. And Dominican Republic is good. And Canada is good. So we got to step our game up. I mean, everybody knows the U.S. is going to be good. So uh, it was those other countries that I think also, too, you know, Jamaica played well at that event. And then there was some other countries there where I heard them say, like, oh, we got to go home and we got to figure some stuff out. And I'd imagine Commonwealth Games will, will play a similar role for, for the countries that have already been in it and really have some skin. Uh, they're going to show up wanting to win it. And then for some of the other countries that this is a new experience for and there's going to be a lot of learning, uh, I think it'll provide – an excellent opportunity to be able to see the sport at a high level and to compete and enjoy it and do all those good things and then take whatever they learn back to their country and say, okay, now, now we have to figure out what the next step is. Um, but yeah, I, I hope, I hope like hell to be out there and, and it'd be awesome to see you guys and, um, and to be a part of some of a real, of a real, uh, historic, uh, historic part of three X three is introduction at the Commonwealth Games. That's a, that's an awfully special thing. Steve, we'll have to do a we'll have to do a part two of the pod live at the Commonwealth. Mm. How cool would that be? I like that. That's a good idea. We'll mark we'll mark that down. <laughs>
<laughs> so do, does that mean, Steve, that you will be coming over in support of your team, or you'll be coming over bearing a flag and a jersey um, with Canada on it? Uh, you know what? I, I I would hate to make any sort of big definite, uh, big statement on that. But, um, you know, I, I'm I'm hoping with the way that this year plays out that uh, that you put yourself in the best position uh, to be, be in the mix for that and, and to be involved in, in no matter really, you know, where you're playing at or what you're involved with, uh, Canada's home and that's what you're passionate for. And if there's ever an opportunity to do anything where you get to represent your country, um, I think I mentioned before, my, my goal was always to play division one basketball, but my dream was always to play for Canada and, um, three X threes provided that. And, um, you know, if, if there's a chance to do that anywhere at any time, yeah, you do it. No questions asked. You do it. Well, fingers crossed we'll see you, whether it's wearing a jersey or just there in support. We'll, we'll be happy to grab a beer with you afterwards. But um, let's move on then. We've had a good chat, um, but we're going to finish the podcast off in the way that we traditionally do. And that is with, did Kyle Montgomery really say that? Yo, what up? This is the voice of 3X3, Kyle Montgomery. Did I really say that? So the first one. Miller, light work for a dunk master. Oh my goodness. He's trying to take the crown in front of Prague Castle. Uh, I, I'd say no. I don't think he said that. Did he say that? We'll go around the rest of the group. Okay. We'll, uh, right, we'll my yeah, Hugh, Hugh, why don't you tell us? And then... Uh... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let, me just, let me just skip to the answer for the other <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Steve. He's on my team. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> Wait, who's next? Oh, that's me. Okay. Um, Hugh, can you say it one more time, please? Miller, light work for a dunk master. Oh, my goodness. He's trying to take the crown in front of Prague Castle. Oh, wow. Okay. I think he actually did say that. I like that. I like that a lot. Um, you know, this is this is a tough one, but there's there's a little wry smile. So I'm going to say yes. I think he did say that. I think he did say that. I'm trying to I'm trying to get as many of these little nuances and these little ticks from uh, like these tells from Hugh, but it's really difficult, Steve. So like I'm trying. My I don't best. know if you like you like you know him, So yeah, you gotta you gotta lean on that. Yeah, but I mean, even even saying that, man, it's like it's still very difficult. He doesn't really give much away, as you can see. So, all right, that's that's my answer. You, I think he. So did just say. to confirm, you're going that Kyle did say that one. Yes, I think he did. Please, please, I hope he did. Yep. Last chance to change your answer. No, I'm good. I'm good. I'm not going to find a friend. I'm not going 50-50. Any of that jazz. I'm sticking with my with my answer. Yes. Find a friend. He just messages Carl Montgomery himself. Yeah, I'm just going to message Carl. Just be like, dude, can you just tell me if you said that? So we have one more person to answer on this round. Rahul. I got the Miller right Miller Light reference in there. So there, that's a bit of an American thing. I don't know if you came up with it because it doesn't seem like a quip that you can maybe think of that anyone can maybe think of. I just it just seems like something that, you know, is off the dome. So I'm gonna say yes as well. Okay. 
So we've got Rahul Root. went for it. Martin went for it. Steve did not. I'm sorry, Steve. Uh, it's a it's a it's a, cru- it's a crushing entry to the game of did Carl Monk. Uh, that's that's a tough that's a tough game to start on. Tough loss to start on. Miller, light work for a duck master. Oh my goodness! He's trying to take the crown in front of Prague Castle. It, you know what? This, the the second time I heard it, I was like, yeah. Made a better choice. I did something. <laughs> but Steve, I did that last week, right? I did that last week. I completely changed my answer, and then it turned out it was the opposite answer, and I should have just stuck with my gun. So, like, you know, yeah. 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 down with the ship. That's it. So we'll start next with Martin on this one. Oh, that was nutty, and he added a bit of jelly to the sandwich. Delicious. Martin. Mm. Mm. Now, I mean, like, I know Carl, but does he like PB and J? Like, do, 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 does he like the scent? Um, you know what? Just, just for the sake of it, I'm gonna say yes again. Why not? I'm gonna say yeah. And you, Rahul? I'm gonna say no. I think you came up with this, so I'm gonna say no. And Steve, I'm gonna say no too. I'm gonna I'm I'm stick with the no. See, you, you got the smile creeping in again, so you never know. <laughs> <laughs> well, that does actually push Rahul ahead by one. So, oh, Rah- here we go. <laughs> Rahul is our two correct. Steve, you had that one correct, and right. you had that one incorrect. You know, ignoring Rahul, this means I'm tied with an elite 3 player, so I'm cool with it. Thanks. Thanks. There you go. All right. There we go. <laughs> Just to let everyone know, it's for nothing to me to say. We always talk about not having that first game because it was the pilot and apparently it didn't count. It's count it if you want. The, it's 4 the... 1. Count it. It's fine. It's 4 hey, 1. Hey, I'll count a dub. The only way is up. Okay, so we're starting with Rahul this time, so he's not going to get a. a uh... He's not going to be able to bounce off, off everybody else's answers. They look discombobulated. I had to look that up in the thesaurus. Excuse me. <laughs> this is a yes because you can't even pronounce <laughs> the word. Was it thesaurus? <laughs> <laughs> Damn you guys! I'm trying to be professional over here. Right. <laughs> I'm going from the top again. They look discombobulated. I had to look that up in the thesaurus. It's been a disappointing performance today. Rahul. Right, that's 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 a toss up. It can be either. I'm just gonna say yes. It's it's a guess. I have no explanation for it. I'm just gonna say yes. And Steve, what did you make of that one? Kyle doesn't usually comment much on the team's performances. He usually stays away from that sort of stuff. But every once in a while, like when someone like really lays an egg, he does point out like that. That was a bad one. Um, you know, I hate to do this for all three, but I'm gonna say no. I'm just, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna say no. It does. It, 
could be possible, but I'm just messing up. No, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I I want to and need to beat Rahul. Also, <laughs> but also I've already established that I'm a team player with you, Steve. So um, so I'm gonna say no to. <laughs> just for the sake of it. Just for the sake of it, Rahul. So that one is something that uh, Kyle Montgomery said. They've been discombobulated offensively. I had to dig in the thesaurus to find that word. It's a big word to describe uh, a uh, poor offensive performance to this point. So, uh, they, unfortunately, Steve, you're right. Guy, I've listened to a lot of uh, Kyle uh, the past few weeks and months, and, yeah, he does very rarely actually critique a team if they're doing particularly badly but um that was a game i think we had a reference to it last week as well where one team went down 16-0 at one point Ooh. so uh, i think he was uh i, I think he was <laughs> feeling sympathy for <laughs> for that particular team but yeah um i gotta give you credit that you stuck with that game to watch that to to hear it yeah <laughs> <laughs> 10 second skip on YouTube. <laughs> once, it gets to, once it gets to that level, it's just like... Oh, man, uh, if it's it's 11 nothing, you're going, all right, let's get on yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sticking with that one. You know, because that's, that's the thing, though, because that's what I did. That's how I answered last time, because I was like, nah, I don't, I don't... I know it can happen, but I just... You know, the amount of times that that, that kind of score has happened, it's like, yep, yeah, like, of course yeah. I want to watch the entire game, but... <laughs> That's oh. happening on the that's happening on the button right there. If yeah. that's, if that's let's, let's, skip let's skip it. Wow. All right. Before before uh, before he jumps in there, um, Rahul, GG, good game, dude. And um, <laughs> it's a full. I'm just gonna say this. It's a full sense of security. All right. I'm just, I'm just saying. <laughs> Listen. I'm just. I, five zips. <laughs> At some point, the valiance has got to come down. It's. <laughs> At some point, never, you just have to never. say... I'm just like, I'll never done. call it a day. It's not going to happen. This Martin. is the 16 nil. This is the equivalent of the 16 nil <laughs> on the podcast. Martin, you I, know, I need I'm... to ask. I mean, do, do you watch any 3x3? <laughs> <laughs> Steve, this is what I get, man. No, no, it's tough. <laughs> I think I'll have to let I think I'll have to let Martin win the next one, so you know oh, fans no. keep coming, so that they don't, don't keep don't, skipping. Hey, you know? hey, don't say that now, okay? Because now what's going to happen <laughs> is when when I win that next one, people are going to be like, oh, they spoke beforehand, Rahul let him win. I'm not, I'm not about that. All's fair, and in, did in, Carl say that and war? Listen, Steve, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on. Um, not only did you, you know, c compete valiantly, and did Carl Montgomery really say that, but it's it's been great having you. Right, guys, I tried. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it really has been great having your insight. Um, you know, a, a, a player at the highest level of 3x3 um, like yourself, it's, it's, it's great. Hopefully we can do this again. Hopefully we can uh, meet in Birmingham this summer um, in, in person. And yeah, uh, I mean, best of luck with uh, the the team in Mongolia this year. Um, f fingers crossed, uh, you know, you you have some success out there and and enjoy a, a full last season. Um, if this is indeed going to be your last. Thank you guys. So I, I really appreciate you having me on, and you know, I hope this summer we can we can meet up. That would be great. And yeah, if there's ever a chance to do this again, I hopefully can bring that uh, Kyle Montgomery uh, batting average. 
above uh, above my really really bad 33.3 percent that I'm that I'm doing right now. So, yeah, thank you guys. This was fun. Really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, I'm sure we'll talk again. Yeah, thanks no, so thanks. much, Steve. Thank you, Steve.